All right, let's try this again. I tried to just wing the whole thing, but let me tell you something. Don't wing it. Sometimes it's okay to wing it, but you know, I got a little bit of structure going on here. So let's just get to it. Killer intro in three, two, one. Welcome back to another episode of the Commercial Claim Show. I'm your host, Vince Perry, licensed and certified public adjuster in the state of Florida, California, and Texas. Not yet, but soon to be. Um, yeah, so before we get started, first I'd like to make sure that you go and you follow my social media pages. Why? Because I'm always updating stuff, I'm always posting stuff. A day in the life I do, I go live. So check it out, you know, I got some good information. My number one goal with this page is to educate you, the public adjuster, to make sure that you've got the knowledge that you need to get the most value out of your insurance claims for your client, for you, for your organization, whatever it is, and I'm just here to help you out. Um, let's get right to it. Estimates, estimates. Watch, it's gonna float like this, ready? It's gonna float. Estimates. How do you do them? You're just getting started as a public adjuster. You've got zero construction experience. That was me. And you don't know what the hell you're doing when it comes to writing an estimate. So don't worry. I am here to help you. Uh, it's not that hard. I didn't know the first thing about construction when I first became a public adjuster. And I mean like, really, I didn't know nothing. And you know, eventually you only need to know so much when it comes to writing an estimate. You don't have to be a professional in construction. Does it help? I will say yes, it does help. If you've got a construction background, hell yeah. Because there's just like all kinds of wording and all kinds of things in there that even to this day, I don't even know. And even to this day, I will go to one of my uh, uh, fellow general contractors who are experts in this stuff and I'll ask them. But remember, if you're just a normal guy, public adjuster or girl, who, you know, you're just new to the industry and you don't know the first thing about construction, it doesn't matter, okay? Because there's definitely some ways around it that you can get away with not having to know too much. And one of those is having the experts by your side. And a lot of the stuff, you're just putting an estimate together. When it comes to the expertise, I've told you this before, you're gonna need your experts anyway to provide you with documentation for other things, so don't worry about it. If you don't know about construction, it's all good, all right? So let's get right to it. So first thing is first, what estimating software do I use? Okay, the insurance, uh, the insurance like norm and what is just used in the industry, it's going to be Xactimate. Everyone uses Xactimate, which is one of the reasons why I don't like to use it. I also don't like to go to Starbucks. That's just, I don't know why, it's just everybody uses it. And until I find another option to Amazon, I might go somewhere else. But I don't like to use Xactimate because frankly, everybody uses Xactimate. And it's just not what I started with. The company, when I started, first started with Keepus Gain Claim Adjusters, at the time, my boss was using uh, Simsol. And that's what we used. We didn't use Xactimate. So that's what I learned to use, so that's what I use. Everybody else still uses Xactimate. Um, so this is not an Xactimate video whatsoever, because frankly, I don't really know how to use it. 
Okay, I've taken one course in Xactim 8 years ago. I opened up the software and I'm like, oh, this is uh, intense because I didn't know much about construction and I was already using SimSol. So I'm like, why am I gonna learn something else just because everyone else is doing it? So I quit there. So to this day, I do not use Xactim 8. However, I do now have an estimator that I send out to do estimates for me and he uses Xactim 8. So technically, I use Xactimate too. I just don't actually do the estimate myself. But when I present my estimates to the insurance company, right now, as of now, it is with Xactimate. I use, oh, so there's a link for Xactimate below if you'd like to use it. It's also the most expensive, so just keep that in mind. I use SimSol. SimSol is what I've always used, and I enjoy it. I think it's simple. Um, some of the prices are a little bit lower, but that's okay. You can sort of get away with that a little bit. Um, and it's just what I've used. Uh, I don't sketch. Uh, I, I know how to sketch, and I've done a sketch before, but I don't sketch, so don't think that you need to sketch. Uh, remember, you're a public adjuster, okay? Your job is to try to make sure that you get a number that you can negotiate with the insurance company. Your other job as a public adjuster is to know how to read a policy. Your other job as a public adjuster is to be an advocate for the client, be there for the client to make sure that everything is set up correctly so that the claim gets paid. Your job as a public adjuster is to hire the experts, to get the right people, to get the repairs done, to get the dry out done. You've got plenty of jobs to do. Don't worry if you think that you are not capable of putting the proper estimate together. It's going to take practice. It's going to take time. You need to have the right people around you to sort of feed off ideas uh, to make sure that you get the best value. So it is important because obviously you're, this is what you're using to negotiate. Um, but don't, what's the word? I don't know what the word I'm looking for. I don't know, just, you know, you put an estimate together, run it by somebody else, make sure everything's in there that you need to have in there because you do want to have your estimate as high as possible because the insurance company is going to chop you down like crazy. But I'm gonna sort of try to help you out with that here too. So I use SimSol, link below. The last software that there is is Simbility. Simbility is another option that you could use. I don't know the first thing about Simbility. I just know that there's about one or two insurance companies here in Florida that use Simbility. So, you know, whatever. I'm guessing that's an option for you too. Uh, okay, so, you know, well, what do you wanna do? Do you wanna write your own estimates or do you wanna hire an estimator? I've been writing my own estimates for over 10 years. I just recently hired an estimator because I've said this before, I wanna have more time to do stuff like this and to just sign more claims. So. I have an estimate that goes out. I would suggest that you learn how to write an estimate. But even if you don't, I'm, you know what, I take that back. Learn how to read an estimate. That's what's important. You wanna learn how to read an estimate. So if I were you, I'd go and I'd get a bunch of estimates for whatever company you're working in or your whatever it is, get a bunch of estimates from previous claims and just go through them. And just go through them and try to, and try to just learn how to read the estimates, see what's in there. One coat versus two coats, detach and reset versus remove and replace, take a look at some of the prices. If you have a general idea of what some of the prices are, that's gonna help you too. Like how much does a normal ceramic tile cost to remove and replace? How much does the normal drywall cost? How much does normal you know, solid wood floor compared to laminate flooring? These are things that are important to know. You don't have to have them memorized, but at least have an idea of how different they are. So just, you don't have to learn how to write an estimate. Learn how to read an estimate. That's what's most important. Um, understand that do not be afraid if you work at a company or if you yourself, like myself, hires an estimator. Because that's what the insurance company does. Long, long time ago, I used to meet adjusters out who not only wrote up the estimate, but I would negotiate with. And sometimes I would negotiate right on the spot or it would come later on. Now, you've got the field adjusters. No offense to you field adjusters, but you're not making any claims decision. You're not making any coverage decision. You're not making the decision on how much the claim gets paid out. And 
I get a lot of complaints from field adjusters and independent adjusters who want to become public adjusters because they're sick and tired of their estimates that they put together getting chopped up by the insurance company desk adjuster. So don't be afraid if you're not writing up the estimate because 90% of the people that you're negotiating against in the insurance company, they didn't write the estimate anyway. Or they, they probably don't know the first thing about writing an estimate. So, you know, like I said, learn how to read an estimate. The insurance company is hiring their own estimator as well. You're more than welcome to hire your own. You don't have to learn how to write it. So when you first start, let's get right into this, uh, let's get into writing the estimate. This is going to be a very elementary video, by the way. So if you're like an expert estimator, please do not judge me. And if you want to, that's okay. Just leave a comment below and I'll be glad to address it. So if you want to say whatever it is that you want, like I said, I am disclaimer, disclaimer, I am not a general contractor, nor am I licensed as a general contractor, uh, nor would I consider myself an expert in construction. Uh, frankly, the most I do in this house is I put up, um, I put up, I put up stuff like this. I know how to do that and that's just really a nail and it goes up. I don't do the, so look, I'm not, all right? So don't judge me. Don't judge me! But if you want to, leave a comment below. So first thing you do when you write an estimate, you walk into the house, you take a look at what the damage is. Here is the general rule, all right? If you can remember, if you can remember anything about this video, it's this. If there is damage to the floor, you write from the floor up. If there is damage to the roof or ceiling, you write from the roof or ceiling down. And you only go until you can't go anymore. So you're basically, ready? With the floor, you're going to write from the floor to what I like to write 10% drywall. And if you're writing from the roof or you have ceiling damage, you're writing from the roof through the ceiling and that's pretty much it. You might have some upper ceiling drywall, like a 10% that you want to write, but mostly you're not going to. It really just stops at the ceiling. So floor up, ceiling down, or roof ceiling down. If it's roof damage, roof or ceiling down. If it's floor damage, from the floor up. That is like rule number one. That's the first thing that I learned. That's how you write your scope. Um, one of the things that I used, very important, this is super important. This is like a, this is like a fixture in adjusting in the adjusting world. And it is just, uh, uh, let me see what they, all right. It is like, it is, it is, it is gold. Uh, don't use measuring tape for crying out loud. When I first started, there was a few old school guys still using measuring tape. We're well beyond that. Even if this is a little off, it's not going to be so off where you got to use measuring tape. Maybe with some of the smaller stuff, like if you want to know the length of the baseboard, you know, you could use measuring tape for that. But for the most part, you're using this guy. And the one that I use is the Bosch Professional GLM30. Bosch Professional GLM30. I'm going to leave a link below if you want to purchase through here. I am an affiliate of Amazon, so there's an Amazon link below. If you want to purchase through my link, I do get a percentage of that, so it'd be a great way to support me and this channel if you want to buy this one, which I like very much, through the Amazon, through my affiliate Amazon link below. Uh, this thing is great. You got a laser. What I like about this one is number one, it's small, small, compact. You put it in your back pocket. I mean, this thing is great, super light. Some of the other ones I've seen are pretty bulky. Uh, so, but besides it being small, light, and just easy to use, it gives me three measurements, and I'm going to tell you the three measurements you have to take, and it gives me all three measurements. So I can go length, width, height, 
without having to stop, and then I got all three, and then I could write down my measurements. That's one of the things I liked about it most. Also, I use a clipboard, which I don't have with me here, so when I have a clipboard, I could just, it's so light, I could just put it right on the clipboard, write what I need to write. I like it, it's really easy to use, it's awesome. I love this thing. Uh, I honestly, I only got it like three or four or five years ago. Uh, I was using a bigger yellow one, I can't remember which, what it was. But, um, it was a little bit more bigger and bulky, and I noticed a lot of people in the industry are using this one now. So, I think it's like a hundred bucks. So, go ahead and get it. I mean, it, this thing's awesome. It's got a nice little cool laser. I hope I don't ruin my camera. Oh, look at that, you see? Alright, and then from here to the camera, we're at 4.9, so 4 feet 9 inches. Okay, so yeah, if you want to get this one, this is the one that I use. I think it's great. Uh, I already said the ground up. So with the scope, so when you walk into a house, first thing you need to figure out, are we doing floor damage? Are we doing ceiling and roof damage? Let's just say we're doing floor damage, okay? So if you've got floor damage, you have to look to see where that floor is continuous, okay? If it is wood floor, if it is tile floor, if it is, I don't care what it is, if it is the exact same flooring continuous throughout the entire house, you need to write up the same flooring throughout the house. Even if on the opposite side of the house there's no damage or in the next room or wherever it is, I don't care. As a public adjuster, you need to make sure that you put your insured back whole again. And I don't care if it's wood floor and you want to stand and refinish insurance company. I just got in the biggest fight about that yesterday. In my experience, because I do go back to a lot of my clients' home and I see the work that they did and I've seen the sand and refinish work and maybe you want to blame it on the company that did it, but frankly, it does not look the same. That's just me. You, because I know that the damage was there, I can tell where the repair was made, and you could tell me all day that it looks great, and sure, maybe it does, but I can tell the difference. So I'm not writing sanding or finish, but that's just me. Anyway, the point is, if it's continuous floor, you write up in every room. Once you get the items that you want to scope, which I'm going to get to, basically all you're doing is you're copy-pasting every room. There might be some subtle differences, but once you get the measurement of the room, you're pretty much copy-pasting in every other room, and I'll get to that. So, all right, so the first thing you have, it's floor damage, okay? So let's say you've got, I've been getting a lot of wood floor claims, so let's say you got wood floor in the, uh, in the kitchen. Um, the first thing you have to write is the floor. So I'll go in and I'll take the measurements first. So first thing you go, I'll walk into the room, we got floor damage, okay, that's what we're writing up. So I will take the length, width, height. Always take height last. Length first, width second, height last. Um, then you always want to put into account any kind of missing walls. I like to look at every room as a box. You have the house as a box, and then every room is its own little box. Whether that be the kitchen over here, dining room over here, living room over here, bedroom over here. Every room is a box. And that's, you, there, there's, you know, obviously some unique houses and got different funky walls and stuff like that. But for the most part, again, this is a beginner's course here. Uh, it's just boxes, okay? So you've got a box, like this is a room, that's a box. I've got a closet. So you take the length, the width, the height of the room, and you take the closet, and that's it, okay? That's it. I don't have any missing walls here. In my loft over here, I do have a missing wall entering the little hallway. That would be a missing wall, okay? You could take the length times the width. Sorry. You could take the width times the height of the missing wall. I know SimSol does that for me. Or you could just take the length. I'm sorry. You could just take the width of the missing wall and it, it'll go to the same height as the actual ceiling, but that's going to be too much because you've got length times height on the missing wall as well. And then you could add it. The cool function about this is it's got an add button. So if you've got 
several missing walls in a room, which does happen, you just take the width, add, width, add, width, add, and then it'll give you your total, and then you just take the length, usually it's the same, I'm sorry, I keep saying it, then you take the height, usually it's the same height, for the most part, but sometimes they're different too. So you've got your box, you've got your length, width, height, and you've got your missing wall, and that's your measurements for that room. Then you have to write, start writing the line items. If you've got damage to the floor, the first thing you write is the floor. So if you've got solid oak wood flooring, if you're not sure what it is, don't worry about it. Take some photos of it and ask somebody what it is. Or you know what I've done? Ask the client. Hey, what kind of floors are these? You know, I know they're wood, but is it anything special? What did you purchase? What was it called? Was it Brazilian cherry? It was it, uh, you know, solid oak wood floor? You know, what what kind of floor is this? Um, and then they'll they'll help you. You can make it sound like you still know what you're talking about. Don't worry. So solid oak wood floor, you can tell the difference between wood floor, laminate flooring, so that's not bad. Engineering flooring, you could also sort of tell the difference if you could see the edge, because there's just base, all engineering is, is a little thin piece of wood layer on top. It's not the best stuff, but you do want to tell the difference between solid oak wood floor, laminate flooring, and engineered wood, that I will say. The other one that's tough is you have to figure out if it's glued down or if it's floating. Um, because uh, there's some bigger price differences and also if it's floating then you're gonna have a underlayment that's under that flooring uh, which usually on only under under laminate there's always an underlayment under solid oak wood floor engineered sometimes it's glued down uh, the way I'm able to tell is I I knock on it if I get the solid then I I'm fairly certain it's, uh, it's glued down. If I get like a hollow sound from the wood floor, then there's an underlayment there. And then you have to figure out if the underlayment is just like a, like a tar paper or plastic underlayment or like a sound barrier or if it's actual plywood sheathing that's under there too. So, sorry, I know there's a lot of stuff that you have to try to figure out, but try to figure out. Again, I would ask the homeowner. I have no problem asking the homeowner because if I can't see what's under there, I can't see what's under there. Also, if the referral came from a contractor, then they'll be able to help you out with that as well. Um, so you start from the floor. Once you write up the floor, the next thing you write up is the baseboards. Does the baseboard have a quarter round or not? A quarter round, I'll show a picture right here. A quarter round is just a little front that makes it look a little bit nicer uh, in front of the baseboard. You have to write up to replace the wood flooring and if the wood flooring or the tile flooring goes under the baseboard, you have to write up the baseboard, you have to write up the quarter round. Why? Because when you remove that baseboard in order to put the tile, you're going to have a good chance of damaging that baseboard. Insurance company may not agree with you, but you need to write it up anyway because you've got arguments for it. When you yank that quarter round, you're going to damage the baseboard, you're going to damage the quarter round. When you yank that baseboard out, you're going to damage the baseboard, you're going to damage, you're going to damage the wall as well, which I'll get to. You don't put new flooring and then put old baseboard. You need to replace all of it. Again, insurance company, you're going to disagree. That's fine. As a public adjuster, you need to write it up, okay? You need to write it up. And then also along with that baseboard, you have to paint the baseboard. You have to caulk and nail the baseboard. So these are all stuff that's also added as line items. So quarter round, paint. Uh, quarter round, so uh, sorry, flooring. Quarter round, remove, replace, paint. Baseboard, remove, replace, paint cock and nail. Um, what else? And then when you yank out the baseboard, you're going to have drywall damage as well. I always account for 10% drywall. That's what I do. I'd love to know if you guys do something else. So 10% drywall whenever I'm writing up the baseboard. So right now, see I'm going from the floor up. I'm going floor, wood, tile, whatever, quarter round, baseboard, drywall. If that wall is textured 
and you're affecting the drywall, you need to retexture. If you're retexturing and if you're affecting the wall at all, you need to repaint, make sure it's two coats. Whew, that's pretty much it. I need some water after that. Excuse me. That is the easiest way that I could explain. Uh, that Those are the main line items that you need. Along with that, if you're writing up the baseboard, chances are the baseboards are going up against the uh, against the door frames. You may want to write the door frames. A lot of people, I know some estimators and public adjusters, they just write to repaint the door frames. I like to replace the door frames and then repaint them as well. But that's up to you. I may be a little bit more aggressive. I replace the door frames. I take the measurements of it, so it's usually about... Uh, I don't know, anywhere six or seven feet, about seven feet, and then about three feet wide. So you've got 14, 15, 16, 17 feet replacing the door frame. If you've got drywall affected, you're retexturing, and you've got framing all along, any kind of framing all along the, uh, or what they call it, sorry, casing, door casing, that's also called door casing. You got casing all around the walls, you might wanna put to replace that or at least repaint it. Uh, like I said, with the door casings, you may wanna, you may not wanna replace it, but you should definitely repaint it. And also the door as well. If you're repainting the entire room, you need to detach and reset the door, repaint the door, and then put it back on. I love how, you know, the insurance company doesn't wanna replace or repaint baseboards sometimes, but they'll do it with the door. But anyway, that's for another video. So that's pretty much it. Another one is the outlets. You might wanna cover and protect the outlets. Uh, you might want to detach and reset the outlets. That's going to add to your estimate too. Uh, AC is not something, AC grills, that's not something we're going to be probably tackling. Uh, sorry, registers. Uh, and then sometimes, you can't see it here, but I've got a window, window blinds. A lot of, I know estimators, they put to detach and reset the window blinds. And all this is because you don't want the stuff to get damaged when you're repainting and retexturing the entire room. Outlets could get affected. Uh, the, um, uh, the window blinds can get affected, so you want to detach. The door can get affected, you want to detach and reset that stuff and then repaint it. So that's how it adds on. I don't know, did I miss anything? So your main scope, so when you write your measurements, you go length, width, height, missing wall. You, I start just doing like bullet points. Uh, wood floor, quarter round, baseboard, 10% drywall, texture, repaint. And then I'll put window blinds, whatever the measurements are, detach and reset. Uh, door casing, remove and replace 17 feet and repaint. Um, doors, remove and reset. I could put one, two here. I would have two doors. Uh, detach and reset, repaint. And then I could put outlets, detach and reset. And then that would be pretty much it. Uh, you know, you already know sort of what you got to put in there already. So not that you know, but all you have to do is just sort of put baseboard. You already know. You might want to measure the baseboard too. Not how big it is, but that's pretty much it. <coughs> What I do is, if every room is going to be the same, if my next room is the same, I try to write all, everything that's going to be included in every room, right on the first room, and then I just go to the next room, I just take a measurement. And if there's anything different, like the number of outlets, like the size of the, of the, of the blinds, like the number of doors, then that's the stuff you need to write. But the, you don't, you could just, what I always put is I put same as whatever room, and the same is usually going to be the floor, the quarter round, the baseboard, the drywall, the texture, and the paint. But the number of doors may be different, the number of door casing, um, and the, the outlets, and the, door f and the window blinds. That may be different. Um, so that's pretty much it with that. Uh, if, now, if you have the ceiling, that's a little bit different, right? So when we have a hurricane or you got hail damage or something like that, so the first thing you start is with the roof. 
you can go and you can go ahead and measure the roof. I think that's a little bit difficult. Um, what I usually do, and I'm gonna get a lot of flack for this. I don't even know if I should say this, but I, I take the square footage of the house. So if you have a 2000 square foot house, uh, of your interior, depending on how the pitch is on your roof, you could sort of adjust for the pitch. And you've got um, one square is 10 feet by 10 feet. So if it's a 2,000 square foot house, you're talking 20. You're talking 20 squares. I don't know if I got that math right. But anyway, you're talking 20 squares. But if you've got a pitch, then you can go 24 squares, 25 squares, and that's going to sort of be a rough estimate on your on your roof. God, I'm going to get killed for that. Uh, but that's okay. I'm not I'm not scared. If you're worried about writing a roof, then get somebody out there to write the roof. Uh, you've got your different kinds of roof. I am not really good at that stuff. I just write basically if it's shingled, if it's tile. Uh, we got three tab shingle, um, and then you've also got underneath your underneath your your roof. You've got your underlayment, and then you've also got the plywood sheathing. All that stuff, in my opinion, should all be in the estimate. If you're not too sure about roofs, I would definitely get a roofer out there to help you out because you've got shingle roof, you got tile roof, you got bitumen roofs, you got different stuff going on. But those are basically your three layers. You've got whatever the top layer is, you've got an underlayment, you've got the plywood sheeting. Make sure you include that all in your estimate. And then when you go inside the house, if you've got any kind of interior damage to the ceiling, I like to take a percentage. So you've got your drywall that you've got on your ceiling. If you've got damage only to a, a little corner, you might just want to write 10% of the drywall, but then repaint the ceiling. If you're writing up any of the drywall as a result of ceiling damage, you need to make sure that you also detach and reset any light fixtures, um, the AC uh, register, uh, smoke detectors, um, ceiling fans, recess lighting, you need to detach all that stuff and then you need to reset it. And if for some reason as a result of the water damage it's not working, you need to remove and replace it. So you put a percentage of the ceiling drywall and you put the detach and reset anything that's on the ceiling and then that's pretty much it. Remember I said ceiling down. If the water damage is in the corner and it's affecting just a little bit of that wall then you might want to write 10% drywall for the wall and then you're also going to repaint the walls and retexture and so on and so forth as well. You should have a line item that's different for ceiling and walls. Once you take your measurements of the room and you put a percentage, it's going to account for all that stuff anyway, so you'll be you'll be fine. You'll be good to go. May is a long video. What else is there? Uh, that's pretty much it. You got your ceiling, you've got your floor from the ground up, ceiling from the ceiling down. Uh, remember, you got the little add button when you're writing up kitchen cabinets, okay? You've got your base cabinets, you got your upper cabinets. If you have damage to the base cabinets and they match the upper cabinets, you need to remove and replace all of the cabinets. And the way you do that is every cabinet comes in a box and you just go one measurement and then add and then another measurement of the box and then you've got all your base, put it into your scope, all your uppers, put it into your scope, countertops you need to add as well. Backsplash you need to add as well and all you do is you just take the measurements you just add and add and add wherever those cabinets go wherever that countertop goes wherever the backsplash goes uh, when you've got tile wall tile walls in the in the in the bathroom you're gonna either write 50%, 75%, or 100%. If the tile goes all the way up to the ceiling, then you're writing 100% tile wall. If it goes just about a quarter, you got a quarter down, you've got 75%. And if it's only half or if it's none, then you've got no wall tile. Sometimes you've got no wall tile. And you've just got the tile floor and maybe the, uh, uh, the tile base or something like that. You want to always detach and reset the bathtub. Uh, detach or set the toilet. If you've got damage to the vanity, you have to put the measurement to the vanity. If the vanity is, a t is, is, a, is sitting on top of the 
tile floor that needs to be addressed in the bathroom. You need to detach and reset the vanity. I mean, I think I could go all day with this estimate. Uh, but like I said, you'll learn it. I would start with just scoping if you're not ready to start putting the estimates together. Um, but that's how I started. And then eventually, I mean, everything sort of worked out. Uh, it seems to me like what I end up settling for, this is a big one here. This is one I don't like to reveal too much. This is kind of like a secret, but whatever. I don't like to settle for much less than 80% of my estimate because frankly, I believe that what I'm writing is, is there. I'm not making anything up. And the insurance company is going to try to get you down and, and negotiate the crap out of it. At the end of the day, it, as long as your client is happy, then it's okay. So I have settled claims for anywhere from 50 to 60% of my estimate. I, uh, but that's what the client wanted and they were happy with it. Uh, but for the most part, 80% minimum is what I want to settle for. So make sure that you get your estimate, I guess, up to a point where you'd be willing to lose a little bit. But be careful. Uh, I am not afraid to start my negotiations at the bottom line of my estimate because that's what it is. Your estimate is an estimate for repairs. Do not let you do not let the insurance company adjuster try to try to wiggle you down just because it's a public adjuster's estimate. That's not the way this goes, okay? You're a public adjuster and you are ethical and you're writing what you need to write, which what needs to be replaced. And if you have any construction background, you'll see it's, it's what needs to be replaced. Ask any general contractor that walked into a house after they've been paid by the insurance company and they know, whoa, that's not enough. Why? Because the insurance company didn't write enough. And you need to make sure that you write everything that needs to be addressed. Because you need to make sure that if you sign a release or, or, or you settle the claim and appraisal, that the money that you end up getting is going to be enough for everything that needs to be done. Because if not, the homeowner or the building owner is going to come back to you and say, you didn't get me enough. So you need to start right off the bat with more than enough. And I would not, I, you start your negotiations at your bottom line. The last thing you need to add into your estimate is also is uh, O&P, overhead and profit, and also taxes. Here in Florida, I always add 7% tax. I'm pretty sure that's about as up to date as you can get. I add 7% tax to all the line items that are inside of the estimate. And then I also add overhead and profit uh, for a general contractor. That always gets paid. I know I see on Facebook groups that sometimes they're struggling to get OMP. In Florida, we don't really have that problem. For the most part, we get OMP without a problem. Um, and then you total it and then that's it. Whoa, that was a long one. I hope you guys enjoyed that one. That was a lot of information, even for me. My mouth is like dry. I can't even like talk anymore. I don't think I'm gonna talk for the rest of the day after that one. Um, so my goal with a lot of these videos is to make sure that what I'm telling you is the truth, is honest, and it's... Well, that stopped automatically. What I was saying is what I'm telling you is every one of these videos, my number one goal is to make sure that I'm not giving you any bullshit. I want to make sure that I'm giving you the truth and what I know. If I don't know something, I'm going to tell you that I don't know. So the estimating, I am not a professional general contractor. I am not an expert when it comes to wood, when it comes to really just repairs in general, okay? I'm a public adjuster where my job is to make sure that you get enough money as a homeowner, as a building owner, to put your place back whole. Um, but don't be discouraged if you're sort of like me where you're not an expert in this stuff because the people you are negotiating with, they're not contractors either and they're not experts either. Some of the people that you're gonna meet out, the field adjusters that put together the estimate, they may be specialists and, and, and they may be experts in that stuff. If you do not feel comfortable putting an estimate together, then by all means, speak to somebody that will help you hire a professional estimator to go out and put an estimate together. It's the best thing that you can do. 
Uh, I learned just over time what I need in an estimate to make sure I get the best possible value for my client. Um, it took some time though and I, I had somebody by my side I had a mentor that I would you know I would go to and just be like hey look here's the damage to the house here's my estimate does that make sense have somebody go out to the house with you okay if you're an apprentice or whatever you need to shadow somebody learn how to put the scope together learn why you write up all these things and you'll have more than enough information even if you're not an expert to still negotiate the claim so you know I hope I didn't come off as an idiot in this video again my goal is to not give you any bullshit and just be straight to the point and like I said I'm not an expert uh, when it comes to uh, real you know uh, construction and 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 the real hard materials that go into a lot of this stuff but I am an expert in negotiation and I am an expert in reading a policy and I, and I, and I am an expert in making sure that we've got the proper documentation estimate included to present the best possible claim and don't be discouraged if you know if, if you're not too keen on construction you'll learn it you'll learn as you go and you'll learn enough Okay, you will learn enough and continuing education is the best thing you can do and just to keep learning more. So that's my video, all right? I hope you got something good out of it because there ain't much more that I can give you. So with that said, please make sure you subscribe to the channel right here, all right? Uh, we're gaining followers like crazy, it's very exciting. Uh, we've got a free giveaway and uh, it's, a, it's a landing page that I believe is out already. It might not be out, so don't hold me to it. I'll leave the link below. And what we're giving out is a how-to, how to build a successful business, okay? It's gonna be a little blurry here, but it's how to build a successful public adjusting business. Uh, if, the, if it's up by now, I will leave the link below. All I would need is your first name and your email, and you could get it right off the bat, and you'll be part of sort of like the crew here. And there's also some other things that we've got that we're pretty excited about coming up in the near future. So, with that being said, I hope you all have a great week, and I will see you next week for the next video. Peace out.